Well, hey, everyone. Uh, So I mentioned on episode 60 uh, that I would be taking the month of December off, and uh, I have been, but I also reserved the right to give you all a bonus episode for Christmas, and here is that bonus episode. Let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, I'm part of a Facebook group called the Christian Podcasters Association, and uh, there's a bunch of you know podcasters on there, and we decided to try something uh, this Christmas season, and that is that anyone who wanted to could produce a short five-minute or less Christmas-themed mini-episode, and then we said, let's share, right? So uh, I went ahead and produced a five-minute mini-episode, and then I selected four other mini-episodes that I thought would be of benefit to you. And here they are in this bonus episode, right? So what you'll find here are basically five, uh, five minute or less mini episodes from five different podcasts, one of which is this podcast. Let me give you a quick rundown of um, uh, what you'll hear in this episode. So in the first mini episode, Chris Starin of the Truce podcast draws a connection between the musical piece Bolero and the hope that uh, the people of Israel felt as they longed for the Messiah. Kind of a, a neat connection that he draws there. The second episode comes from Brandy Gable of the Road Home to You podcast, and uh, she offers 12 really helpful strategies for self-care during the Christmas season. Uh, the third mini-episode from a podcast called Biblical Chili <laughs> is uh, it's kind of a fun dramatization of the shepherds and the magi meeting Jesus, concluding with a really neat connection to Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. Uh, the fourth episode uh, in that one, Tina Smith of the Raising Kids on Your Knees podcast shares about how God takes all the broken pieces of our lives and puts them back together again. And then finally, the fifth mini-episode is my contribution to this sharing project, and uh, I share about how the inclusion of the four women in Jesus' genealogy reveal the deep love of God and the wide mercy of God. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I talk fast, (laughs) faster than usual, uh, because I I had to keep it under five minutes, and I probably tried to include too much. Next year, I'll I'll do a little bit better. But there you go. Um, I hope you enjoy this very special bonus Christmas episode. And uh, I'm Marcus Watson, and this is episode 61 of Spiritual Life and Leadership. This Christmas, I want to tell you about two songs and one long pause. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truth. This is Bolero by Maurice Ravel, a French composer from the late 1800s and the early 1900s. It's one of my favorite pieces of music. It starts out with a slow march, just a few instruments. After a while, you start to realize this is the same tune played over and over again. The orchestration is different with each cycle. It gets louder, but the tune is the same. When Bolero premiered, some people thought Ravel was crazy. There are over 10 minutes of this. 
over and over again. This piece reminds me a lot of the Old Testament of the Bible. There is this cycle that happens over and over again. Adam and Eve start out with a great relationship with God, and then they fall. The people of God march out of Egypt following God into the wilderness, and then they question him at the first sign of adversity. King David is named a man after God's own heart. Then he has a guy killed and lusts after his wife. There's this rising action, then the fall, the highs and the lows. It's the same tune with different instrumentation, repeated over and over again. Then comes the magnificent silence. 400 years of silence. God had been speaking to his people through the prophets, warning them about their grave errors, their graven images. But they, for the most part, didn't want to hear it. So there are 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New, as people waited for hope, a literal Messiah. Meanwhile, there's just silence. Then a star appears in the night sky, showing the way to Jesus. This baby has been sent to earth to contend with this. Our repetitive struggle, rebellion against God, our enslavement to sin, the pattern that we can't seem to get away from. Which brings me to the second song. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. If I'm only going to hear one song each Christmas, let it be this one. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. His birth signaled the beginning of a rebellion against our hopeless loop. It's a rope thrown to helpless sinners. O come, O come, Emmanuel and ransom captives like me. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. If you enjoyed this, check out the Truce Podcast. That's T-R-U-C-E. It's available anywhere you get podcasts. Merry Christmas from the road home to you. I'm Brandi Gable, and I am excited to share with you guys 12 self-care days for Christmas. 
listen, we all know that Christmas is the happiest time of the year, but let's be honest, sometimes it's also the saddest because we're experiencing really hard things in life. The loss of someone we loved, maybe the loss of a marriage or a career, or maybe we've gotten a bad diagnosis. Grief can hit us at any time, and it's especially poignant when it hits us during the holiday season. So let's look at a few ways that we can take care of ourselves this holiday season. Day one, let go of expectations. Christmas doesn't have to look the way everyone says that it should. This year, it will just be what it is, and that's enough. Day two, meditate on scripture. Read John 1, verses 1 through 9, and spend time reflecting on what it means that Jesus is the light of the world, and also, what does that light mean in relation to your grief? Day three, set boundaries. What is reasonable for you to do? Only you know what will fuel you and what will drain you. Say no to the things that will leave you feeling depleted. Day four, write down your to-do list. Then cross three things off and give yourself permission to let them go. Day five, turn off social media. Quiet all of those voices that are telling you that you just aren't enough. Day six, find little ways to serve others. Open the door for someone. Let them in while you're driving. Give someone a compliment. Say thank you to your cashier and really mean it. Day seven, light a candle and then again reflect on John 1 verses 1 through 9. Day eight, allow yourself to just be and feel. Are the kids having a blast sledding? Feel that joy. Don't worry about the wet clothes to come. Likewise, are the festivities only highlighting your pain? Give yourself some space to just feel that pain and cry. Day 9. Journal your gratitude. Pick one thing or ten things, whatever it is. Write down what you're thankful for and why. Day 10. Take a walk in nature. Breathe deep, close your eyes, and just listen. Day 11. Create a new tradition. Find a way to incorporate something into this holiday that you've never done before that gives you joy. Eat dessert first. Volunteer at a soup kitchen. Drive around looking at the lights. And finally, day 12, take a nap. Emotions are exhausting, whether they're happy or sad. Give yourself time and space to just get quiet and rest. May God bless you richly this holiday season. May you find comfort and peace in the Savior of the world. Merry Christmas.
Hi, everybody. This is Tom. And this is Justin from Biblical Chili. And uh, what we have here for you guys is uh, an excerpt from our episode where we uh, reimagine what it was like for the wise men to show up to see Mary and Joseph and Jesus for the first time. Yeah, you're right. It was your star, and it appeared right overhead, just before those shepherds arrived. Is this the Messiah? Yes, this is the Messiah. His name is Jesus, but will you keep it down, please? He's trying to sleep. Oh, we're sorry we didn't realize. Why don't we go over here and talk? How did you know? Well, let me tell you. The strangest thing just happened. We were out in our fields minding our flocks, as we normally do at this time of year, when a tall, shiny fellow showed up out of nowhere. Poof! He told me about the Messiah being born in the city of David. Then he told us not to be afraid, like that was going to help. And just as fast as he showed up, the entire sky lit up like it was daytime. And they were making all sorts of racket singing and shouting praises to the Lord. They told us to seek you out, and then they were gone. Now, I don't know about you folks, but when someone appears out of nowhere, then disappears just as fast, I'm gonna listen. Angels appearing to shepherds? Hmm. That sounds really far-fetched. You know, Sonny, I thought the same thing. Uncle Shep! Oh, there you are. Come here. How's the little Messiah today? I am really good. These guys brought me presents. And they smell funny. You left your sheep as we left our country to seek out the Messiah. Hey, if a shiny fella comes down from the sky and starts telling you the Messiah's coming, you go and listen. I'd be plumb crazy not to seek him out. What a remarkable sight to behold indeed. Well, ain't you excitable? Listen, he is the one, the Messiah, the savior of the world. It was only right to leave our flock to find him. And we did. He was laying in the manger with all the animals. So we did what we could to help him, help him find a place. After all, we did find him in a barn. Watching him grow was the best blessing this old shepherd could ask for. And this is an act I am sure he will not soon forget. Well, only time will tell, I guess. We'll just have to watch and see. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the 99 in the wild and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and carries it home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now I tell you, in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. That makes no sense at all. Right. Why would a shepherd leave their sheep? I don't know. Now, now, now hold on just a minute here. Well, it makes perfect sense to me, Sonny. Jesus, you pay them no mind. It takes a lot of love to leave the flock to seek out the one. 
some things are just that important. And believe you me, seeking out the Messiah is still the best decision this old shepherd has made. I'll still never forget the words of that there shiny fella. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings, great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. By the way, the music you heard was from Kevin McLeod, and that was Silent Night. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. And from all of us at Biblical Chili, we'd like to wish you all a, a very, very Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thank you for joining me for this Christmas edition of Raising Kids on Your Knees. Hi, I'm Tina Smith, and I'm the founder of Raising Kids on Your Knees, a podcast designed to help you pray daily for your children, as well as step up your spiritual parenting. You can find us anywhere you enjoy listening to your podcast, and also at RaisingKidsOnYourKnees.org. I hope you enjoy this Christmas edition called Broken Pieces. The shepherd and angel are missing a hand. The angel's wings are broken off and the donkey is missing his ears. As I unwrapped each piece of my nativity to put it under our Christmas tree, I was tempted to put it away and go buy a new one. It has certainly seen better days. Then I took a closer look and I thought about how those broken pieces are like the broken pieces of my life. No, I'm not talking about missing hands or ears or even angel wings, but the times that I've made poor choices. Those poor choices broke pieces of my life that could not be mended by me. I looked again and noticed that all those broken pieces are focused on the tiny baby laying in the manger. They're all kneeling and bowing, including the angels, who all got a first peek at the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And how, like them, when I come and kneel at the feet of Jesus, he takes all the broken pieces of my life and slowly begins putting them back together. Yeah, there are scars. But they are just that, scars, reminders of how the grace and love of God who came to us in a tiny manger took all those broken pieces of my life and somehow put them all back together again so I could be a reflection of his love for the world. As you celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, bring to him all your broken pieces and allow him to begin putting it all back together again. I hope you have a blessed and Merry Christmas. Before Matthew tells us anything about the birth of Jesus, he tells us something incredibly profound about Jesus by giving us a glimpse of the origin of Jesus. I'm Marcus Watson, and this is Spiritual Life and Leadership. Now, when I talk about the origin of Jesus, I'm talking about uh, the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, And ancient genealogies did not need women in them. They were primarily men. And the only time that women were included in an ancient genealogy was when the names of the women ensured the purity of the bloodline or somehow enhanced the dignity of the person whose genealogy it was. 
And so in Jesus' genealogy, Matthew mentions the four great matriarchs of the Jewish faith, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, Rebekah, the wife of Isaac, and Leah and Rachel, the two wives of Jacob. Is that true? No. Actually, Matthew mentions four very different women. Let me point them out to you as I read part of the genealogy of Jesus. This is Matthew 1, 2-6. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, woman number one. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, woman number two. Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, woman number three. Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, woman number four. And we know her as Bathsheba. So who are these four women? Well, Tamar, you find her story in Genesis 38. Uh, She was the daughter-in-law of Judah, one of the fathers of the tribes of Israel. And because he was failing to provide for her by giving her in marriage to one of his sons, she posed as a prostitute in order to get pregnant from her father-in-law, Judah. And it's a scandalous story. She had a reason for doing it, but this is not the kind of story you want in your family history. You don't want to talk about grandma who slept with great-grandpa, right? (laughs) All right, so that's Tamar. Then there's Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. She was the prostitute who helped the Israelite spies before entering the promised land in Joshua chapter 2. Then Ruth, we read her story in the book of Ruth, a noble character, but she was a Moabite, and Moabites were the descendants of Lot, who had committed incest with his daughters. And then there's Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and even though, in a sense, David uh, took her and really kind of raped her, she has become a symbol of adultery, probably unfairly. But all four of these great-great-grandmothers of Jesus are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, a woman who slept with her father-in-law, a prostitute, a Moabite, and an adulteress. Not only that, all four of these women were non-Jews. Tamar was a Canaanite, Rahab a Jerichoite, Ruth a Moabite, and Bathsheba was a Hittite. And it's almost like Matthew is highlighting the ethnic impurity of Jesus's line. Now, in doing this, Matthew is already proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Before he tells us one thing about what Jesus did, he gives us a clue as to the kind of person that this Jesus is. Before we hear anything about the birth of Jesus, right? Gabriel, uh, the shepherds, the, the, the choir of angels, the wise men, Matthew gives us a glimpse of the deep, deep love of Jesus. Now, Matthew could have included the four model matriarchs of Jewish history, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel, but he gives us four new matriarchs, and all of them make known the good news of God's deep mercy for sinners and God's wide mercy for all peoples. It's as though right from the start, Matthew wants us to say, oh, oh, This Jesus is the kind of person who is not ashamed of sinners. He is not ashamed of those that some would say, you don't belong. In fact, he even highlights them in his family tree. Right, This is good news. This Jesus, whose birth we celebrate this month, is not ashamed of you. 
He doesn't judge you. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't shame you. Just like Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, you are a beloved child of God. You are worthy of God's love because you have been created in the image of God. And just as the angel sang to the shepherds on that glorious night, God has good will toward you, and on you his favor rests. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this very special uh, Christmas edition of Spiritual Life and Leadership. If you want to find out more about any of these podcasts, you can find uh, links with more information in the show notes, and you can find the show notes uh, on my website, marcuswatson.com. And that's Marcus with a K, M-A-R-K-U-S-W-A-T-S-O-N.com. Well, I hope that you have a really wonderful Christmas celebration this year. Uh, and I hope that you remember that you are God's beloved. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you're broken. And yes, you are of ultimate worth to the God who created you and who formed you. Uh, God is not ashamed of you, and I hope that you remember that this Christmas. Well, thanks so much for being here, and I will see you in 2020 here on Spiritual Life and Leadership. <music>